Hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I am so excited to be chatting with you today, and thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it so much. And this week's episode is all about um, going on vacation alone. It is actually based on a blog that I put together, let's say. Uh, It's a collaboration blog, and I asked a bunch of other solo female travelers for their best tips on solo female travel. So the full name of the blog is Going on Vacation Alone, 30 Tips for Solo Female Travelers. And um, with 30 tips, uh, I had to break this podcast up into two episodes. So we're going to get through about half today. And next week, we're going to wrap up with the uh, remaining half of the tips. So If you need some advice on how to take the best solo vacation of your life, (laughs) I hope, uh, you've come to the right place for tips about going on vacation alone because these are really tips from experts. Um, And obviously there's not really a degree in solo female travel, but experts are people who have done it. That's it. They've done it. They're they have information that someone who hasn't uh, has. (laughs) So they are people who know more than you. So these, you know, these are experts. I don't really feel bad using that word to describe, um, you know, women who have solo traveled as experts in the field of female solo travel. So as you're If you're someone who's maybe on the fence, uh, who wants to take that first solo trip, who wants to vacation alone, um, and maybe you just need a little push or a little confidence boost, uh, this is definitely the podcast for you. We're going to go through everything from mindset to solo travel photos to packing for solo travel to where you should book a place to stay to research, to what you should book ahead. I mean, there's really just like this this podcast and next week's podcast is really just going to cover so many things that maybe you wouldn't have even thought of, Um, you know, because I guess the big thing with solo travel is like safety, 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 safety. And that's, of course, obviously there's a reason that's the big thing people want to talk about. But like safety, I say this a lot, safety is a feeling, not a fact. So we feel safe or we don't feel safe. There's no guarantee of safety or not safety. It's either you're feeling safe or you're not feeling safe. So, you know, with that being said, you have to kind of have more ducks in a row maybe than you might think you need or want um, for solo travel. So that's why this is this podcast is also going to cover things like um, why you'd want to travel light with a book bag versus a suitcase, um, things like that. So if you are ready to discover the top Fifth, well, I think we get through 13. I think we stop at 13 in this um, in this podcast. And then next week we'll do 14 through 30. So if you're ready to discover the first half of the th- uh, 30 quick tips for solo travel, we are going to get to it right now, starting with what I truly believe is the absolute number one 
best, most important tip for traveling solo, and it is listening to your intuition to keep you safe. And this topic is so near and dear to my heart that um, I actually wrote this this part of the blog, uh, and then the rest of the blog is from other solo solo travelers. And I'm going to name them and name their blogs. And then if you if there's something that super resonated with you about one of the topics covered head to my blog, which is linked in the show notes. And from there, you can link out to um, social media from from that female blogger and you can connect with her and, you know, just be like, I heard you on, I heard you talked about on a podcast and what you said was, was so spot on for me. And, you know, you can open up a dialogue that way. So they all provided their, their social medias so that, you know, for exactly that reason. So don't, you know, be intimidated reach out, say hi, reach out to me and say hi too. And um, yeah, solo female travel is probably the most empowering thing I've ever done. And I hope that this inspires even just like one more woman to, to do it. So if you're ready to get started, let's dive in talking about listening to your intuition as a solo female traveler. Welcome back. This first tip is actually from me, (laughs) and I didn't put myself first for some kind of like weird ego trip. I actually just think this is really the most important tip for solo female travelers, and it's listening to your intuition. So, as a longtime solo female traveler, I believe, you know, again, this is the best piece of advice you can get. Um, it's a seemingly easy tip, though many, many women, I hate to generalize, but you know, we're, we're told not to listen to our intuition. Uh, so I don't think, you know, I don't think everyone's in the habit of doing this as much as they think they are, or they would like to be. So tell me if this scenario sounds familiar. Well, actually you don't have to tell me, but you can energetically tell me, does this scenario sound familiar to you? I had a bad feeling about something, but I ignored the feeling and I did it anyway. And then something bad happened. So what I mean by listening to your intuition is that like for solo female travelers, we have to 100% believe that voice. You cannot second guess that voice. Um, If you, you know, intuition, the word intuition has a little bit of a spiritual connotation to it, but really it's, it's a biological defense mechanism. Your intuition is designed to only do one thing and it's like to keep you safe. That's its only job. So when it's giving you that warning, you know, you have to accept that warning as fact. And honestly, like in, in the scenario we kind of just played through, like I had a bad feeling, but I did it anyway. And then something bad happened. Like, I, for me, there's no value in like kind of questioning that intuition, you know, because then what happens, you do the thing and you prove that a bad thing happened and now something bad happened to you. So it's, it's better to just kind of believe that your intuition as fact without further investigating to see whether or not a bad thing's really going to happen because then a bad thing happens, you know? So you're not really the winner (laughs) in that situation. You didn't win by proving your intuition right or wrong. Um, So yeah, as I mentioned, intuition is is actually a biological um, defense mechanism and safety mechanism. And uh, there's an amazing book that I love called The Gift of Fear, which is by a man named Gavin DeBecker. 
Um, this is an Oprah book club book, which I don't totally know what that actually means, but I know that it means that a lot of people have read it and it's a pretty important book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he is actually, um, he's like a private investigator or something along those lines, a bodyguard type of a person. And he, you know, talks about how fear is our gift. And he finds, especially women, many women in situations needing his help because they don't listen to their intuition, you know, say like they don't listen to their intuition about a man. And then, you know, the man ends up being abusive or something like that, or swindling them out of money. And, you know, he says like, pretty much all his clients are like, yeah, I knew this about him. I just didn't listen to my intuition, you know? So for me, it really was just like, it kind of just really uh, solidified this, this lesson, you know? Yeah, your, your, your intuition has one job. And again, like the word intuition definitely has a spiritual connotation these days. And it is spiritual in a sense. It's your higher self, you know, your your guardian angel, some people call it, or the voice of God, whatever you want to call it is fine. Um, intuition also just works. Um, but it, the only biological need for intuition is to keep you safe. So it is in your best interest to listen to your intuition so the way that this thing, this this inner voice, let's say, developed was back in the days in our caveman times when our brain was developing into the organ it is today, you know, we had to kind of assume the worst case scenario because we weren't, you know, we didn't live in houses. We lived in caves with three walls. So something could just enter our cave and kill us, you know, or, you know, our life was really on the line all the time in ways that it's kind of not to the same extent nowadays. So like we developed this thing called intuition, you know, because to keep ourselves safe, to keep ourselves alive. And yeah, maybe there's times when your intuition is like being extra and, you know, you can definitely do the thing and you're going to be safe, even though your intuition is like, Hey, don't do it. But again, like, what's the what's the sense in proving yourself right because then in the end a bad thing happens to you you've proved yourself right but then a bad thing happened at the same time so yeah number one tip listen to your intuition so this uh next tip is from a blogger called cassie of cassie the hag and she is i believe british so hag is not apparently a negative thing in a british in British talk. So I was very shocked when I saw her name and I asked her about it. And it does not mean the same thing to Americans as it means for her. So she's not insulting herself, <laughs> but I was very concerned. So anyway, she um, she's actually a blogger that has, uh, she writes a lot about her struggles with mental health. She has ADHD, for example, and she talks about planning for rest days. So something she says she recommends for all solo travelers, um, particularly other neurodivergent and uh, travelers with mental health issues like she has, is to allow for rest days. And this can even apply to short trips like a weekend trip where you might not need to apply a rest day, but maybe a rest two hours. You know, so there's a lot of guilt, let's say, associated with missing out on a travel day, which can be frustrating because, of course, the one thing we never have enough of in travel is time. So it can be like a little frustrating to plan for 
a rest day where you're not doing anything, where you're resting, where you're maybe walking around town with no agenda, you know, things like that. But in the end, like those rest times, those rest periods, like only kind of strengthen you for when you're doing the things you're planning, you had already planned to do. So for her, she says, um, one of her best strategies is, you know, she just downloads books or movies um, to be able to like put on our headphones and zone out. So she's always ready to go with a book or a movie. I personally love podcasts. Um, so I would also add podcasts to that list. Or maybe if you're someone who's like a mu- serious music lover, have like make a playlist of like absolute favorite songs in the entire world, guaranteed to lift your mood. So, you know, you're just ready. If you use headphones, you're good to go. If you have earbuds, make sure that, you know, your earbuds are always charged. Something else Cassie recommends is always having comfy clothes, like sweatpants and a hoodie in her backpack ready to go. Because for her, when she puts on the sweatpants and hoodie, like her, it triggers her brain into like relaxed mode. So she can just kind of wind down without really doing anything besides changing her outfit. So it's an easy trip. It's an easy uh, trick. Like say you're on a long bus ride somewhere, you know, for her, if she's like in her most comfy clothes, she's like good to go. So planning for rest days and having strategies to be able to kind of factor in rest, quote unquote, while traveling, you know, is our really good strategies. This next one is um, from a blogger named Martha and her blog is May Cause Wanderlust. And she talks about having a plan in place to cheer yourself up. Uh, She says she learned this the hard way when visiting Auschwitz, um, the concentration camp. She she had visited alone, and obviously this is one of those uh, very intense places to travel. Uh, Could be very triggering for a lot of people, very quote-unquote sad for a lot of people. Um, So she says... One of her best solo travel tips is to have a plan where you can pick yourself up if you get low. So this can include anything that we mentioned, listening to music, um, calling your friend, uh, practicing mindfulness or meditation, maybe having a playlist of not just music, but of like affirmations or meditations that, that will help. And those are really readily available nowadays, especially I have Spotify. If you use Spotify, there's tons and tons of meditations and affirmation. Um, I have an affirmation playlist. So that for me is, is super helpful. So Martha says, you know, things go wrong when traveling. It's just, it's a guarantee of travel. (laughs) Something will go wrong. Uh, Flights get delayed, reservations get lost, plans fall through, weather turns bad, whatever it is. You know, it's not just something as maybe as intense as visiting somewhere like Auschwitz. It could be anything. It could be like, I plan for this and now it's raining and I can't do it. You know, you have to have a strategy in place that's just going to kick in like, okay, this is fine. I'm going to have an indoor day, you know, any kind of backup plans are, are good to just to have, you know, not hoping you don't need them, but maybe you need them one day. They're sort of like tr- a travel insurance policy. So, um, you know, she says that like, you know, to make matters worse for her after leaving Auschwitz, a, of course, admittedly very much an intense, more sad place to visit, you know, a torrential downpour, 
came and then she had to sit on a bus for hours in wet clothes. She couldn't reach her husband by phone. You know, during all this, she she struggled to shift her low mood. And, you know, how, how she says, I learned this the hard way, but I wish I had some like upbeat music ready to go on a, on a playlist, maybe some solo travel podcasts, even <laughs> like this one. Um, but now, you know, she knows that, you know, when taking vacations alone, she she's ready uh, with a mental health plan in place. So that was a little section of um, of this blog and podcast about like sort of like the mental hacks that you can take for a solo travel. And now we're going to take a short break and come back and talk about how to plan for traveling alone. So now we're going to talk a little bit about how to plan for traveling alone. This tip comes from a blogger named Mal, M-A-L, of Raw Mall Roams. And um, she talks about researching the, the destination. Um, she uh, blogs a lot about Bali, um, the, the very well-known island in Indonesia, super popular travel destination. But she talks about um, researching specifically for Bali and how you would do that for Bali. But like, of course, this tip applies to any place that you're going. So she talks about how Bali for solo female travelers, you know, the best places you might want to stay are the Chenggu or the Kuta neighborhoods. And um, actually, I went to Bali about five years ago now. And I stayed in Chenggu and it was a really, um, it was a really great place to stay. I also stayed in, in Ubud, which uh, is not on the list, but I would recommend that neighborhood personally or that area of town personally. Um, but she also recommends uh, the Kuta neighborhood, you know, and these places are just really easy to hang out, uh, simple to get around, easy to make friends with other solo travelers, other, a lot of digital nomads live there, you know, but if you're, let's say, on a honeymoon or you're traveling with kids or your family, um, she recommends Nusa Dua or Jimbaran uh, as good places to stay. So really not just researching, let's say, is this a good place for solo travel? Is this safe for solo travel? Okay. You know, of course you want to go to those places, but then, you know, taking it even a step further as much, knowing as much as you can, like, What's the best place to stay in this uh, destination that I want to check out? So a really, really great tip. Um, this next tip is from Erin of Savannah, first timer, and it's all about Savannah, Georgia. And, uh, you know, people traveling to Savannah for their first time, she has a really great, um, a really great blog on just Savannah specifically. So she recommends finding a local blogger. So for her, she lives in Savannah. She blogs about Savannah. You know, she's going to have much better information on Savannah than like someone who went to Savannah for a weekend who you just so happened to find their blog. And I couldn't agree more. So I have a Mexico travel blog and I've lived in Mexico now a little over three years. I've been to half the states in Mexico. I've been to pretty much all the big name destinations that people would travel to. I've been to a good amount of the off the beaten path destinations. Um, 
And I just recently started a second site called Travel to Merida, M-E-R-I-D-A.com. And it's all about the city I've been living in for the last two years called Merida. It's in the Yucatan Peninsula. And, you know, no, this isn't like reflect badly on any other travel blogger, but like, I know much more about Merida than someone who went for the weekend or went for the day. And I've even seen other blogs on on Merida. When I was starting this second website, I was doing some research and I saw blogs, you know, recommending like the wrong places to go to. <laughs> the, you know, and it's not that like maybe that person didn't go to that place and have a good experience. I mean, anyone can go anywhere and have a good experience, but I know, you know, like places to go to recommend to like that are maybe better, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's kind of like having advice from a local, you know, it can be a big game changer. And so I, I couldn't agree more um, with Erin's tip about finding a local blogger. And if you're headed to Savannah, Georgia, she's a great resource, you know, for, um, for Savannah specifically. This next tip is tip number six from Sarah Steiner, and her blog is Away with the Steiners, and uh, it's more like family travel oriented, but she's done a lot of solo travel before uh, starting a family, and she talks about reading reviews before booking. Um, so, you know, back in the day, in past in past years, um, recommendations like word of mouth, hearsay, uh, you know, things you've kind of learned about, like through a friend of a friend, that was really how you, you found out about things with travel. And now there's great sites like TripAdvisor and booking, you know, and you can get reviews that were just made this month. So they have much more current information, you know, people that are in those places now, um, she says, I've never done this personally, but um, she says that there are some sites where you can actually filter reviews from female travelers or even so, uh, solo travelers. So, you know, you can get even a much better gauge of like comfort levels of other women, uh, safety recommendations, um, things like that. So that's a really great tip. I've actually never done it. I'm going to I'm gonna pay a little bit more attention. Uh, she recommended TripAdvisor and Booking.com specifically. So, you know, those might be one, uh, two of the places where you can filter by um, female reviews or solo travel reviews. But, uh, you know, taking the time to do your research, research before you book a place, um, it's going to go a long way. And you can do that research from the comfort of your, your own home before but you really want to just do what you can to eliminate any potential feelings of anxiousness or stress about where you're headed. And that's not even like, that might not even be finding, figuring out the absolute best place for you. That might be more just like you knowing you've mentally prepared, like you having more information than like the zero that you might presently have. So just building on that, it doesn't mean you need to become an expert in the place. You don't have to go maybe overboard with the research, um, but, you know, having some facts, you know, when, if you read five blogs on a place, if you watch five YouTube videos on the city you're traveling to, you're going to be so much better prepared than starting at zero. So all of that stuff really does build your, your confidence. This next tip is tip seven and it's from Dimph. I don't even know how to say her name. D-Y-M-P-H-E. 
<laughs> of dimph abroad. I'm going to say dimph, and I'm so sorry if that is not correct. And I have like every feeling that it's not correct. But um, she talks about uh, planning ahead. And she actually has a uh, link to her blog where she has a trip planning spreadsheet. And this is for those who like every single thing planned out in advance. And if that's your travel style, then that's your travel style. And you need to do that to make yourself feel good and feel secure and feel confident. Then you should do it. Like some people don't travel that way, which is fine for them. But if you do, you th then that's what you need to do. Whatever you need to do to make yourself feel good is what you need to do. So she talks about, you know, like having your accommodation booked at least for a couple nights you know, and then if you want to change going from there, but some people can do that where they just show up to a city and, and go where the wind takes them. Um, I'm personally not that way, but you know, having at least somewhere to land, put your stuff down, maybe take a shower, you know, things like that beyond a place to stay. You know, some people have a must see list. So planning ahead for those things. Like, do you need tickets to go to that? Do you need to book a tour? Do you need a dinner reservation? Do you need a certain outfit? You know, having a plan in place for all your must do's. And again, if you're someone who goes above and beyond that and wants like an daily itinerary, she has a really great trip planning spreadsheet, which is linked in the blog, uh, linked in the show notes. So the next tip is actually, I intentionally put this one right after that last tip it's from carrie of veg travel and she talks about don't plan too much so i intentionally put plan ahead and don't plan too much kind of back to back because again there are travelers who don't need to plan too much <laughs> and they're you know it's more about what you want what you need what satisfies your personality so you know she talks about sometimes, you know, you don't have to have every single thing planned. Like maybe there's something that like, it's a must do somewhere, but you're perfectly happy to do it alone. You don't have to go on a group tour. You can go whenever you go and you can stay as long as you stay and you can leave whenever you want. And, you know, with a group tour, you're kind of like locked in with the group. It's like, we leave at this time, you have this much time there. And then we leave at this time to come back. You meet at the bus at this time, you know, like, and that's not to say that the group tour is not good. It's just, it's just to say that like maybe for you, it's, you know, it's more than you need. So there's definitely pros and cons to group tours versus traveling alone. And, you know, she just, um, she just challenges you to ask yourself, like, are these activities that I can happily do at my own pace without compromise? Because if so, you know, consider fitting them loosely into your schedule and finding your way to them naturally. But something I like to say is that solo travel isn't about being solo every second of every day. If you want to take a group tour, take a group tour but it's more about being the solo person deciding what you're going to do with your time. So yeah. Um, group tour, if you want a group tour, solo it. If you want to solo it, um, plan ahead. But again, you know, for some people don't plan too much. Uh, it, it really does take away a lot of your, your freedom, let's say. And one of the most amazing things about solo travel is that feeling of absolute freedom and, and independence. 
so that um that wraps up the uh planning ahead researching section we're going to do a kind of quick section on packing for a vacation alone right after a short break this is going to be the last section in this podcast and then check back and tune in again next week for the continuation or the part two of this um of this podcast which is based on the blog um which is linked in the show notes with 30 quick tips on uh, traveling alone for solo female travelers so we're going to actually get to number 14 in this one and then it's going to be um 15 oh i'm sorry we're going to get to 13 in this one and then next week it's going to be um 14 to 30 so pretty much uh half and half that we um, that we will get covered uh, this week and then half next week. So this section is about packing to go on vacation alone. And this is tip number nine. It comes from Anne and her blog is Packing Light Travel. And obviously it's all about packing light. And her tip is exactly that packing light to move easier. So this was like one of those ones that I read and I was like, oh my God, that's so smart. And I never really thought about, I never really thought about these things in this light that that she kind of talks about. So she says packing light, you know, is it's easier to move. Um, she is a carry on traveler. So she never checks her bag. And I am now a carry-on traveler. I did not used to be a carry-on traveler, but I've worked my way up to it. And now I really just, I, I see the benefits now. I really, after traveling for a year straight through Mexico, I realized you use about 50% of what you bring. Like, that's just the truth. <laughs> uh, so yeah, packing light obviously allows you to move easier. Carry-on uh, lessens the chances of your bag ever getting lost. That has never happened to me, luckily. But, you know, I've been lucky. With a carry-on, you pretty much don't have any chance of your bag getting lost um, in the on and off the plane shuffle. So something that Anne says that I, I really love is, like, that packing light actually helps promote solo female travel safety. So she says like, say you need your, you have a big bag and you need help carrying your bag or moving your bag around. Well, now you're someone who needs help. You know, your independence kind of evaporates with you needing help. You lose a little bit of control in the situation. Uh, once someone picks up your luggage and is helping you, you know, you need to know where it's going. You're forced to follow along with them. Depending on where they lead you, it might not be the safest of positions that you want to find yourself in. Now, of course, this is sort of worst case scenario thinking. Most people have perfectly like nice intentions to help you with your bag, but some people don't, you know, and, that, and that's the reality. So, um, you know, when you're taking, let's say, a taxi, shuttle, or a ride share, and, you know, you with a with a carry-on or with a bag you can kind of have that with you at all times you know if you're just a book bag traveler and there's plenty of really big book bags out there that do make this possible i have one actually linked in the blog uh, linked in the show notes that is one that ann who's a professional <laughs> um, carry-on book bag traveler recommended and, and I put a link to where to buy one in, in the uh, in the blog as well. So yeah, let's say you're taking a taxi or an Uber, you know, you can get in the back seat with your book bag, 
with something like a, um, a, a full suitcase, that has to go in the trunk. So, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you're like not feeling safe in that taxi or Uber or what have you, you can just jump out with your bag, with your book bag, which is not something you can do if your luggage is locked in a trunk. So again, this is a little bit of a worst case scenario, but worst case scenarios do exist. So I really did like that tip. I never really thought about being like having my stuff next to me at all times and uh, how that's just physically pretty much not possible with, with a big suitcase. So tip number 10 is uh, about tripods for solo travel photos. And this is contributed by Jai of the Diary of a Nomad. And she is a professional like photographer, um, blogger. She's a, a travel photo blogger. She blogs about a lot of stuff, but her pictures are just like absolutely stunning. She's like, I don't know, 150,000 Instagram followers. Just, I mean, her, her photos are just so stunning. I was super happy when um, she contacted me to contribute to this blog for, for solo travel photography. I was almost like fangirling a little bit. <laughs> so she says that, you know, if you're traveling alone and you want to get amazing pictures of yourself, be sure to bring a tripod. And these are the, these have been like a solo travel photo game changer. I've read a lot of blogs on solo travel photos and I would say a hundred percent of them recommend a tripod. So, you know, you can of course ask a stranger to take a photo for you and that does work, but you're never going to get those like Instagram go viral photos, you know, from, from a stranger helping you. Of course it could happen, but it's, most likely not going to happen. So there's plenty of small, lightweight, travel-friendly tripods out there. Um, Jai recommends the brand Minfrotto. It's I have a couple linked in the blog, which you can find from the show notes. Uh, she recommends uh, a certain Sony camera, which is a mirrorless camera. Uh, she has some amazing recommendations for lenses. But even if you're just even if you're not ready to commit to to, to that level yet, um, a tripod is is pretty much a must have. Um, you know, if you need if you're someone who needs to have full creative control over your shots to ensure that they turn out exactly as you envision envisioned them, there is really no option beyond having the tripod. So if you, you know, she also recommends if you want your travel photos to look extra magical, you need to be up early, you need to get to your spot before the crowds, um, arrive at sunrise to catch the most magical lighting. They call it the golden hour. It's when everything looks golden and it's like the one hour um, after the sun rose, just as it's coming up and rising. And then um, there's a second golden hour, which is like the one hour before the sunset. So if you've ever like been to a beach kind of around the sunset, you'll notice there's a lot of photographers out there doing photo shoots because it's the best lighting. So uh, those are some tips from Jai. She's again, an amazing, uh, amazing uh, travel photography blogger. Next, is a tip from Ilona of Top Travel Sites. And she talks about something that I have actually never even heard of. <laughs> and it is called a bra stash or also called a bra wallet. It's pretty much, you know, exactly what it sounds like. It hooks onto your bra and it's like a little wallet. It's pretty much only gonna fit 
credit card or two and some cash. But, you know, she says that it's most people nowadays are aware of like the money belt, um, but a bra stash or a bra wallet is something that's still relatively unknown. So it's not something anyone's going to think, you know, again, a worst case scenario, if you were to get robbed, they would know like, oh, you have, you probably have like a money belt or uh, a money wallet. They, there's a bunch of different names for it, but it's something that goes like around your waist and people usually tuck it like under their pants. So you don't see it, but you know, a bra wallet who I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> so, um, you can clip it, you know, in the front of your bra, you can clip it on the side. Uh, you can clip it anywhere that's comfortable for you. But even if anything worst case scenario happens, if you lose your wallet, you are still going to have a card on you, hopefully a debit card. So you have access to cash you should have a little bit of cash on you, you know, an ID is that's a great place to store it, things like that. And you have options of where to wear one. And they're relatively inexpensive, uh, under $15. If you head to my blog linked in the show notes, uh, there is a link out to where to buy one of these. And, um, you know, it's, it's reassuring. It's a reassuring thing to have, especially in countries, you know, that might not have the safest reputation, or if you're going somewhere a little like off the grid, um, you know, traveling solo alone has its own set of like mental hurdles to overcome, let's say. And, you know, this is a great thing. It'll help put your mind at ease uh, to an extent and for just, you know, under $15. So really, really great tip from Ilona. Uh, This next one is from Lavina and her blog is Continent Hop. And she talks about having a power bank, which are also known as portable battery, portable battery charger, external battery. Uh, They go by many names. So she says when it comes to solo travel, one of the best things is to always be connected. (laughs) And I, I thought this was funny. She says by that, I do not mean constantly being on social media, but it's really about having a phone, having your phone have enough battery life to get through the day and a power bank, portable battery charger, external battery, whatever you want to call them, is one of those great investments for for solo traveling. So when you're traveling, you know, you don't, as when you're back home, you don't always know where the next place to charge your phone is. You know, I know that in my like at home life, it's like, oh, my phone's dying. Oh, but I'm going to like be here and I'll just plug it in here. Like you don't always necessarily know where the next place to charge when you're traveling is. So uh, something like a power bank is going to come in handy. Um, She talks about her trip to Iceland where, you know, it's obviously a colder country and it tends to, your phone battery tends to drain even faster because your phone is actually working overtime, let's say, to keep it warm enough to operate. So um, for her, it was really invaluable somewhere like Iceland. Um, So yeah, for uh, solo travelers, it's a really, it's almost, I would call it a must have. So this next tip is from Nina of Nina Out and About. And I actually recorded a uh, podcast with Nina a while back. I want to say it's around episode 20, it's number 23, and it's Nina's top 10 first-time solo travel hacks. 
So this is uh, another one of them that she shared in in uh, my my blog. And it's about using headphones to ward off attention. So you might see a lot of things that say to wear a fake wedding ring um, as a way to ward off attention from, from unwanted attention from men as a solo female traveler. But Nina says that that's really not the best way to get men to leave you alone because most men don't care if you're taken unless there's literally a man next to you. And I do tend to agree with that, that statement. But she says instead to wear the non-wireless headphones as opposed to earbuds, like the ones with the straps showing the old school headphones. And she said she uh, went to Marrakesh, Morocco, a place known for male street vendors, like catcalling women. Um, and she was left completely alone. So she says, you know, they don't even need to really be like plugged into your phone. <laughs> they don't need to even really be playing anything. And it might actually even be safer if they're not, because then you can still hear what's going on around you. Um, but just, you know, having the same as the wedding ring acting as a deterrent, the headphone straps act as a deterrent. Um, just think about like when you're in the gym or something and you're not going to like interrupt someone with their headphones and, you know, they're clearly like in their own world and the headphones are a sign of like, don't talk to me kind of. So, well, that wraps up this uh, part one of this podcast. Please do tune in next week where we will get into the rest of these really great solo female travel tips, all from solo female travel bloggers and we're going to pick back up with where to stay during solo travel. And we're also going to talk about solo female travel safety, uh, how to, you know, dressing appropriately, making friends while traveling alone. Uh, there's all kinds of really great tips coming up next week. So I hope you tune in then as well. And until next week, nos vemos chicas. That means see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I hope you continue tuning in as I release new episodes each Monday. If you prefer to be notified when they come out, just head to your podcast provider of choice and hit that subscribe button. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please also consider leaving a written review and a star rating. These two things help push us up in the algorithm so that other travelers can find us. Speaking of other travelers, if you know anyone who would love this podcast, please also share it with them. And then let's all be friends over on the socials. I'm on Insta, Facebook, and Pinterest at Travel Mexico Solo and on Twitter at Travel Mex Solo. Thanks again for tuning in and I really hope this will not be our last conversation.